Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Well, another week is rolling, and we're back for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Obtaining your oxen applicator training just got easier. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. It looks like the cattle numbers in our Texas High Plains feed yards might be down for a while. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Texans appointed to National Task Force on Agricultural Air Quality. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. Rodeo Austin will look a little bit different this year. Event organizers recently announced that because of the ongoing circumstances of the pandemic, including the unavailability of parts of the Travis County Expo Center, they've decided to cancel the pro-rodeo, Carnival, Fair, and Barbecue Austin events in March. Officials say they're working to see which of the canceled events can be rescheduled for alternative dates this year. They do plan to host private youth competitions in March, including the Junior Livestock Show, Ag Mechanics Competitions, Ultimate Scramble Championship, and the Youth Auction. Details are available at RodeoAustin.com. That is RodeoAustin.com. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service is now offering several opportunities for Texas farmers and applicators to receive the training necessary to apply oxen herbicides this year. The four remaining virtual training sessions will be held on the Zoom platform. The next course will begin at 9 a.m. February 12th. The course after that is March 12th, then there's one April 9th and another on May 14th. The courses last one hour and they certify attendees to use approved oxen formulations for the 2021 growing season. Advanced registration is required for the courses. Details and a link to register are available on today.agrilife.org. That is today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA recently announced it's awarding approximately $1.5 million to the Texas State Soil and Water Conservation Board to fund three additional pilot projects to control feral hogs in Texas. The projects are part of the Feral Swine Control Pilot Program, which is a joint effort between USDA's Natural Resource Conservation Service and the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. Liza Parker is the project coordinator for the Texas State Soil and Water Conservation Board. We're going to be working with local soil and water conservation districts 
to create a trap loan program to be available to local landowners and agricultural producers. We're also going to be working with the Texas Wildlife Damage Management Association to hire technicians to help those landowners with those uh, traps and to operate them, move them around the county and whatnot. This round of funding will focus on Dallum, Hartley, Nueces, San Patricio, B, Williamson, and Milam counties. In total, these counties cover 3 million acres. A lot of these areas are heavy in crop production, corn and grain sorghum, as well as um, other rangeland and other crop production as well. Feral hogs are a massive problem here in Texas, causing billions of dollars in damage to agriculture and natural resources. Feral hogs are definitely a major issue and a threat to natural resources and agriculture across the state. At this time, this is a pilot program and the funding was uh, created in the last farm bill. Um, I'm unsure of what future efforts will look like, but we're excited to have this funding at the moment to help our producers in those counties. Liza Parker with the Texas State Soil and Water Conservation Board. It looks like the cattle numbers in our Texas High Plains feed yards may be down for a while. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. We're going to start seeing some empty pens show up here, but we still have a pretty good glut of cattle that we got to get through here here in the near future before we start seeing some of those open pens. Yes, as we just heard from Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association, there are still fairly strong inventories in feed yards around the Texas High Plains, but as Friday's Cattle on Feed report showed, the ranks of incoming cattle are getting thinner here and elsewhere in the Lone Star State. For the fourth straight month, the report showed a statewide decline in placements, with the December figure off by 7% from the same month one year earlier. As Miller explained in our previous program, the stunning run-up in feed grain prices in recent months is causing some reluctance among feed yard operators to purchase a lot of calves right now. Plus, we're also in a time when there's actually less animals out there to buy, with the nation's cattle herd experiencing one of its periodic declines. We hit our peak last year, and we're going to go down here for a while. It's just the cycle that we're in, and it has mainly to do with the supply and demand and the ups and downs and the peaks of the overall cattle herd. And we'll get an update on where the herd count stands on Friday of this week when USDA issues the annual January inventory report. Speaking of the cattle business, let's give another plug to the big event coming up April 27th and 28th in Canadian, the annual Hempel County Beef Conference, hosted by Texas A&M AgriLife. Extension agent Andy Holloway says, along with a great lineup of speakers, including former Trump press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the Beef Conference's trade show will be especially robust, with 74 vendors coming in. Tickets are $125. Contact the Hempel County Extension Office in Canadian for more information. I'm I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas will be represented on a national task force on agricultural air quality. Tom Nicoletti has more. Four Texans were among 26 people nationwide recently appointed by former Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue to serve on the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Task Force for Agricultural Air Quality Research. The newly appointed members will serve terms of up to two years that began January 4, 2021 and will end in 2023. 
One of those uh, Texans is uh, a Central Texas uh, lifelong farmer and rancher, Bob Avant Jr. from Taylor and Williamson County, and uh, he joins us from there today. And uh, Bob, congratulations. Thank you. It's uh, quite an honor. What is your initial reaction to be appointed to this uh, USDA uh, task force that's uh, really under the uh, Natural Resources Conservation Service, NRCS? I've served on it before years ago. In fact, when uh, Secretary Vilsack now was a secretary then, and so I've had some previous experience on it. And so I've got I've got a, a background on environmental regulation, uh, and academically, I'm an agricultural engineer. In fact, I wrote my master's degree in agricultural air quality. So I not only have some academic training in the area, but of course I have the practical background of production agriculture. Uh, Do uh, regulations make sense or not? And uh, if there are going to promulgate regulations, uh, do they make sense? Are they based on good science? And uh, will they cause as little damage as possible to how we uh, how we farm and ranch in Texas. Now, the Agricultural Air Quality Task Force uh, was formed under uh, the USDA uh, by the 1996 Farm Bill uh, to promote uh, USDA research efforts and identify cost-effective ways uh, that agriculture can improve air quality. And from that standpoint, and with your experience serving in numerous capacities, uh, uh, how do you uh, foresee uh, your role on the this task force uh, moving forward? Well, I think it's going to be instrumental and challenging because the new Biden administration are are certainly going to be more uh, interested in uh, environmental regulations and uh, certainly climate change than uh, uh, the Trump administration was. So that means that uh, I think we're going to see a whole host of new regulations coming at agriculture not only from uh, air quality, but also water issues and uh, and climate change issues. So it, it's going to be really important that we have agriculture at the table to make sure that we don't have some dr- draconian uh, regulations that are promulgated by the new administration. That is Central Texas uh, farmer and rancher Bob Avent, who was recently appointed to USDA's Task Force for Agricultural Air Quality Research. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The American Farm Bureau Federation released a report last week detailing how USDA's National Ag Statistics Service can improve accuracy and farmer confidence in their survey results. Michael Clements has more from Washington. A Farm Bureau working group presented its findings Thursday suggesting improvements to how USDA NAS can quickly and accurately collect data. With the significant weather events over the last few years, NAS has made large changes to crop estimates, causing wild swings in the market. AFBF economist Shelby Myers says this led to farmers questioning the ability to respond quickly to rapidly changing conditions. At our 101st annual convention in early 2020, the voting delegates recommended that the AFBF board of directors convene the Farm Bureau-led coalition of our members to review and make suggested improvements to USDA NASA's data collection and reporting methodologies. 
Myers says the working group considered input from the entire agriculture industry. The 10-member farmer working group held monthly meetings and conducted more than a dozen interviews with staff and leadership from government, trade associations, market analysis firms, and land-grant universities. In the end, the working group developed a series of recommendations for the agency that focused on technology improvements and better communication from the agency. The working group made four recommendations. The first being increased transparency with the agriculture community, being more forthcoming about how information is collected, reviewed, audited, and reported. The second is to accelerate new and innovative technology and adoption so that NAS has access to the best resources, information, data, software, talent, and networks. The third is to increase collaboration with Farm Bureau to accomplish our shared goals. And finally, strengthen NAS for U.S. agriculture. If we can implement these recommendations, it will go a long way toward improving the great work already being done by NAS and strengthen the agency's position. Find the final report on the Market Intel page at fb.org. Michael Clements, Washington. How can you learn the difference between different species, like say a barn owl and an elf owl? I'm Jessica Dommel and I have some resources coming up on Texas Ag Today. And up to 23% of dairy cattle would be affected by lameness in their lifetime. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Nearly a fourth of dairy cattle will be affected by lameness at some point in their lifetime, according to a study by Dr. Nigel Cook of Wisconsin. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that study. Dr. Cook typically sees three main causes of lameness in dairy cattle, including digital dermatitis, sole ulcers, and white line disease. Thin soles and toe ulcers can also be seen, usually in first lactation heifers. There are some research factors that contribute to lameness, and paying attention to these factors may decrease lameness, and the first is to decrease the cows standing on concrete and use a deeply bedded stall rather than a mat or mattress and make the stalls wider. Using manual manure removal instead of automatic scrapers is a good idea. And using non-slippery floors and non-traumatic flooring also helps. Wider feed alleys, a foot bath program, and prompt treatment of lameness are all important in preventing and treating lameness. Foot baths using copper sulfate or formaldehyde are important for prevention of digital dermatitis rather than using antibiotics. The foot baths should be designed correctly and recommendations are 12 feet long and 2 feet wide as the length of the bath is the most important factor. Dr. Cook recommends using a foot bath at 4 milkings per week and a foot bath this size should be effective for at least 150 cows to walk through. It is believed white line disease is due to poor flooring and poor handling so focusing on flight zones and balance points in your traffic flow can be helpful. Outside access is very helpful in decreasing lameness and yet only 9% of elite dairy herds in Wisconsin allowed their cows outside. 
The study does not indicate if the management of these cows being kept inside was due to weather in Wisconsin or other reasons. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Learning the difference between different species can be a challenge. Jessica Domel has some resources in today's wildlife report. Are you interested in learning how to bird? The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has a few resources that can help both beginner and advanced birders alike. Dr. Maureen Frank, a wildlife specialist from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, explains. Birding with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension is a program that I run that has some great resources for people who are interested in learning how to bird. A lot of our information is online. We have some events that happen that are actually a little bit later in the year, but we try to put things on our Facebook We have a weekly kind of topical discussion about different things that might be interesting to beginner birders. Actually, coming up here soon, we're going to have a discussion about the Great Backyard Bird Count, which is a national effort to just encourage people to count birds in their very own backyards, which works really well for people right now who might not be out traveling. And so it is a great time, especially, again, because birds are really going to be coming into food sources during the winter. And so if you have a backyard feeder, which we have resources on, you know, what that should look like, what's kind of the best way to do a backyard feeder. Birds are going to come into the feeders more often, and that's kind of a neat event that people can be part of that takes place in February. And again, we'll be talking about that here in just a few weeks. So that's one resource. Another resource that I highly recommend is anything from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, so that allaboutbirds.org website. Another resource recommended by Dr. Frank is the National Audubon Society. Links to Extension's birding programs, including the Birding the Border event, can be found on wildlife.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded mixed on Monday, but the grains saw a nice bounce back after that big drop we saw last Friday. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, the cattle market cooled off a bit on Monday after that big run-up we saw in prices last Friday to wrap up the week. We closed mixed in both live and feeder cattle, with February live cattle down 20 cents, 116.52. The April up 42 at 112.95. June live cattle up to 118.82. The grain markets saw a bounce back after Friday's drop, and that may have put some pressure on feeder cattle futures, especially the nearby contracts. January feeders down 70 cents, 136.55. The March down 30 at 143.85. 
April feeders were actually up 12 cents, 146.25. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Monday, as we typically see. Show lists look to be a bit larger this week here in Texas, but somewhat lighter as we move north into Kansas, Colorado, and Nebraska. Boxed beef prices higher, up 296 on the choice, 225.78. The select up 203 at 215.37. Let's check the auction barns now. Let's go to Gonzalez Livestock Market, Gonzalez, Texas. 1,239 heads sold. The trend was steady. Two to three weight steers, 210 to 215 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.85 to 205. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar sixty-five to a dollar eighty. Five to six weights, a dollar thirty-eight to a dollar fifty-five. Six to seven hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-one to a dollar thirty-four. And seven to eight weight steers, a dollar twenty-three to a dollar twenty-seven. Slaughter cows, twenty to fifty-eight cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty-four to eighty-seven. Stocker cows, five twenty-five to ten twenty-five ahead. Cow calf pairs, seven fifty to twelve hundred a pair. Tri-County Livestock Market in New Summerfield, Texas, 892 head. The trend steady. Two to three weight steers, $1.40 to $2.10 a pound. Three to four weights, $1.30 to $1.95. Four to five hundred pounders, $1.25 to $1.75. Five to six weight steers, $1.15 to $1.71. Six to seven hundred pounders, $1.10 to $1.44. And seven to eight weight steers, $1.00 to $1.10 a pound. Slaughter cows, 15 to 56 cents. Cow-calf pairs, 1,200 to 15.50 a pair. Now back over to the futures market. Lean hogs finished higher on Monday, February, up 70 cents, 70.62. April hogs up 47 at 76.62. Class 3 milk was slightly lower. February milk down 57 cents, 15.89 a hundredweight. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the grain and cotton markets both kind of crashed on Friday afternoon. So we saw somewhat of a bounce back on Monday to start the week. We ended up closing higher across the board in cotton. March cotton up 77 points, 82.33. The May up 64, 83.30. December cotton up 41, 78, 88. Same story in the grain markets, bouncing back from that big drop on Friday. You know, we still have some very good fundamental factors in both the cotton and the grain markets right now. Tight supplies around the world, weather concerns for the wheat crop, all of that helping to boost prices. July Kansas City wheat up 12 and a half, 629 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up nine and three quarters, 633 and three quarters. Corn higher, March up 11 cents, 5.11 and a half. September corn up 7 and a quarter, 4.58 and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas up 16 cents at 2.61. March crude oil up 45, 52.72 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 36 points at 30,960. The Nasdaq up 92, 13,635. The S&P 500 up 13 at 3,855. Well, that wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org.
or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.